claws your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we're revisiting the 2005 All-Ireland Ladies Football Final between Cork and Galway as part of our classic game series and joining us on the line to do so is LGFA Local Journalist of the Year and host of the Ladies Football Podcast on Red FM, Mr Ger McCarthy. Now before we look at the game itself lads, I want to get a sense of where Cork were going into the final. We all know about the years of dominance that followed 2005 but this was their first ever All-Ireland Final appearance so Kieran, I'll come to you first why had ladies football remained dormant in Cork for so long so Cork at different levels going to go back junior over the years they weren't too bad at ladies ladies football but they never made the breakthrough at senior level Jack um, like 2005 was the Cork ladies first ever All-Ireland Final but go back again before that when they played Mayo in the semi-final that was Cork's first time ever in an All-Ireland Ladies Senior Football semi-final. And earlier that year, 2005, the Cork Ladies team won the National League for the first time and won the Munster Senior title for the first time. So um, it was the start of a dynasty. Um, there was a good cohort of talented players coming through, but Eamon Ryan was the was the mastermind, the kind of magician behind it all. Like he's um, he's input and he's influence on the team. Um, I think everybody knows at this stage um, the impact that Eamon had with the Cork ladies football team but rewind to 2004 and Cork lost it to the, in the All-Ireland quarter-final to Mayo so they were kind of building the whole time they were getting better but 2005 was was a big breakthrough um, first getting to the semi-final and then getting to the final and they won that and, and the rest is history Well, we, we might come back to Eamon Ryan in a few minutes but just looking back on the Cork team from the 2005 final juror we can see it was littered with stars the likes of Breach Corkery Rena Buckley Valerie McCarty Nulla Cleary and so on and so forth but what was the perception of the team coming into this game obviously Kieran mentioned they had been building they won the league and they won the Munster Championship but was there a sense that this team that these players would go on to become the household names that they did or were they still kind of an unknown quantity um, I think they were still pretty much an unknown quantity up to 2005. There had been, uh, if you read, I know we'll talk about it, a relentless Mary White's brilliant book about Cork Ladies football set up. Um, they had been training unbelievably hard under Raymond Ryan and had been coming close. And I think one of the turning points, if you want to call it that, in 2005 was beating Galway in the National League final. And there was a bit of controversy about that because it was originally fixed for Roscommon, which is unusual that a National League final would be fixed so close to one of the counties like Galway. But as it turned out, the pitch was waterlogged. It was moved to Limerick and Cork won it. And Cork were pretty upset about that, the Cork players and the management team. And they made a point, of, I think, of turning up that thing and getting that result. But coming into it, the likes of Breed Stack, Breach Corkery, certainly Rena Buckley, Dunamore were one of the Real, one of the strongest club teams in the country I mean Dunamore went to an All-Ireland final the same year only to be beaten um, in the decider by a Dublin club um, so there was certainly some experience of playing outside of Cork um, they, they owned 
they were pretty pretty competitive in Munster over the, the previous number of years. But I, I think if you're looking for a reality check for for the, for that team and and for in terms of self belief, beating Galway, who were one of the, the kingpins, the queens of ladies football in a national league final, was hugely important. And we'll talk about it probably before the end. But 2005 was not just a huge year for the Cork seniors, but underage as well. Under 16 All Ireland champions, under 14 All Ireland semi finalists, junior All Ireland semi finalists. And it was also the first year a, a team called Morn Abbey went on to win a first ever junior club title. So it was a it was a changing time, Jack. Certainly Cork were coming uh, around a time that Mayo, Monaghan, Armagh and Galway would have been up at the top and would have been considered um, the top teams. But I really believe that National League final and the kind of shenanigans that went on in the build-up to it gave Cork an edge. I mean, the likes of Breach Cork, Valerie Mulcahy, they don't need an edge nowadays when you look at them. But back then, they were a strong team. They, they certainly didn't have any superstars. I suppose Valerie Mulcahy possibly was, and Breed Stack were the two standout players, and definitely Rena Buckley. And they also had dual players because they won a Camogie title that year as well. So hardworking, a coming team, but certainly not necessarily considered for an All Ireland title in 2005 until they got over Galway in that league final. Well, Jerry, you mentioned Mary White's book, Relentless, which kind of looks back at all the success that they had. And Kieran, you had touched on Eamon Ryan's input into what made them such a winning machine. But I was just flicking back through her book this morning. And there's a reference to conflict or a certain lack of camaraderie within the camp before Eamon came on board. And maybe that was the reason for the team not kind of getting the success that they went on to achieve. Is Have either of you kind of any insight into what that conflict may have been or why there was a lack of camaraderie? Was it just the fact that everyone's coming from different clubs or, or, or what was it Joe we'll come to you first and then Kieran, you maybe pick up on it um, yeah I, I, I think you have to understand the landscape for Cork Ladies Football 2005 it's certainly even in the two years preceding that it had little or no media coverage it was being covered but not to the extent that it is now nowadays or over the past couple of years and you only had a handful of clubs in each of the grades that were usually successful Dunamore being one of them so there was like any team male or female there were certainly Rivalries, and I suppose Cork not being a force on the intercounty scene and never having been successful or not for a long time, people like anything are were wary of giving away too much. And probably, I, I think from from I know the passage that you're talking about in Mary's book. Um, I think at that stage it wasn't so much that people didn't like each other, but there was a certain amount of mistrust. I mean, are we going to train this way? Are we going to let on or let let some let one of our big rivals know about something that we do in training that might give away something? What Eamon Ryan did in a nutshell was explained to everyone very quickly and very succinctly if we all have a common goal it doesn't matter what background what team you're coming from we'll be successful and the simplicity of the way Eamon works is the key to Cork's success I, I found this out now not just from the book but from actually speaking to him it's he uncomplicated everything he brought it down to a certain level Gave a certain, gave them all respect. But what he does, and all the players say this, and Kieran will will probably can expand on this. He put trust in the players to do things themselves, something perhaps that they hadn't been used to up to that point. Because you join an intercounty team, and you expect the manager is going to be, and the backroom team will dictate an awful lot of what you need to do. But what Eamon did from day one was kind of nicely and in his own kind of way explain to people, "I'm putting my trust in you to do X, Y, and Z, and if you do that, we we will be successful." I suppose Eamon came in with a, with a kind of a, a reputation and a track record from the men's game. So 
like like George said at the time ladies football it, it isn't what um, it wasn't what it is now so for the Cork ladies senior football team to get a man of the kind of standing of Eamon Ryan and think back to the 1983 Munster final that we covered in last week's classic games when when that Cork team beat a nine in a row chasing Kerry team with that late Tyke Murphy goal Eamon Ryan was over that Cork senior men's team and in later life Eamon came back on board with the Cork senior team in, in, in recent years as well so when you bring in a man with such a football knowledge and a reputation and a standing like that, it makes people sit up and and take notice. And it also shows in that Cork Ladies football meant business at the time, that they were taking this quite seriously because they saw the talent of, of players coming up and Joe resisted them there, like and, and likes of, uh, and the likes of Nolly Cleary and all to that list, um, like incredible talent. So he was the right man at the right time. He got them playing like a team because they had the talent. He pulled them all together and they just took off then like and once they started then they just didn't stop uh, Just something you mentioned Jur, a few minutes ago about the media coverage that ladies football had in 2005 obviously we know that side of the game has been improved massively in recent years and you can see that in the attendances that attend that, that go to Crow Park for the All-Ireland Ladies Final but where was ladies football generally in 2005 the attendance at this game was up around 24,000 so it wasn't uh, poorly attended by any stretch and especially for that time but generally where where was the game of ladies football kind of in the public consciousness and also how the players were treated because I know this particular Cork team probably didn't have the best of training facilities starting off <laughs> they didn't have any training facilities there off. to be quite honest they tell you that themselves I, I guess it, like it, it's not that it wasn't being covered let's be honest about it because Mary White was doing a lot of, uh, a lot of work Jim, uh, Jim O'Sullivan in the Irish Examiner and there would be a certain amount in the Southern Star as well but the landscape of car sports journalism as you probably know yourselves at that point or you may not know it was predominantly male GA orientated and what that means is the idea with local newspapers including the Southern Star was you would cover as much of the men's games and underage here and there as you could ladies football was covered but it just wasn't seen as being a selling point or it wasn't seen as a market at that point and that's not being disrespectful that's just a fact of life but it was being covered and I think what has really helped ladies football in the last three to four years probably more than anything would, in my opinion social media because the Cork LGFA like the ladies football the 2020 initiative that wasn't around back then has tapped into getting at the younger underage players skills competitions putting them through social media had social media been around Jack in 2005 I honestly think Cork ladies football would have got a lot more of the respect that it gets now it's a lot of retrospective respect that it gets at the minute like C103 radio station was covering all those finals something that wasn't necessarily done in a lot of other counties at the time but it was still a fledgling sport it, it did not have the respect that it deserved you mentioned the attendance 23,000 that was up 3,000 from the year before the All-Ireland which was a significant thing back then but you look at the attendances now and we're st- I think ladies football is still fighting and will continue to fight but that's not a, a media issue when it comes to ladies football it's a societal issue and it's a whole other podcast that I think a lot of people pander to ladies football still and say aren't they great and isn't it fantastic but like you know let's go over to the men's thing because that's where it stands as a journalist who's been covering these matches and Karen will verify this go to a ladies football game over the last 24 months the standard of football the standard of goal scoring and point taking and free taking superior to the men's and I stand over that at senior and intermediate level when it comes to the men's you only get really tight entertaining matches in the senior football championship in Cork at the end of the championship you get a lot of dead rubbers and kind of really boring 
overly defensive games. You do not get that at ladies football. And that has filtered down to the underage sections in Cork, definitely in the underage. Look at the success they've had at underage, under 14, under 16 minor. And I, I go back to it again. 2005 was hugely significant because the under-14s got to an All-Ireland semi-final, which was significant in itself. The under-16s won the All-Ireland and beat Dublin, who had a huge pick back then, as they do now. And the minors only lost out in the semi-final that year, having had a player sent off late in the game against Donegal. Football was changing back then. Football has changed now, but there's still a long way to go for ladies' football. And the ladies' football community will tell you that. But in terms of its coverage, it was being covered, but not to the extent. And Kieran has to take a bit, of, a lot of credit for that too, in fairness, because before I uh, got an award, Kieran also got an award for deservingly putting ladies football on the front page of the Southern Star Sports section repeatedly, talking about the West Cork players that were making the Cork Intercounty panels, not just at senior. He started pushing that in West Cork with, along with the Southern Star, and that was significant at the time because I see it at ground level now. Uh, I, I see the numbers, the sheer numbers of girls playing ladies football in Cork, having heroines and heroes to look up to, the likes of Valerie Mulcahy, Breed Stack, Rena Buckley, you name them, and even the modern day ones, is very, very important to a young girl who's playing football. And to be able to access them and to be able to see them at close quarters has helped Cork football develop. OK, well, let's take a quick look at the game itself then, the 2005 All-Ireland Ladies football final Galway were defending champions but Cork had beaten Mayo to ear his dominant side in the semi-final as both of you touched on earlier but Kieran, what was the Cork mindset ahead of the final were they going into the game with fear or did they fancy themselves did they think they were going in to break this hoodoo that Cork had never landed an All-Ireland senior title I was chatting to Rena Buckley for, for the, the, the Classic Games piece in this week's Southern Star and Rena made a point that once Cork defeated Mayo in the semi-final, they felt a lot more more confident about facing Galway in the final because up to then um, Cork had never beaten Mayo in in the in the championship. So to beat that Mayo team, even though they weren't reigning All Ireland champions, the Cork team got a huge huge boost out of that. And also, I touched base with Juliet Murphy uh, this week, and when she got back to me, I kind of I just asked her. I said, "Does any game in your whole time with Cork stand out to you as being significant?" And she actually pinpointed the 0-5 semi-final against Mayo because that was the game that Cork beat Mayo and they got confidence from that. Rena was telling me that obviously they respected and rated the Galway team, but they knew they could beat Galway. Like Jor kind of um, mentioned earlier, they beat them in the league um, earlier that year. They beat them in the years before as well when, when they'd met. So while they respected Galway, they just they didn't fear them at all. And that really kind of helped them going into their first All-Ireland final because it was all new to them. Um, they'd never played in Croke Park. It was a first All-Ireland final, an inexperienced group of players. But what they'd actually, two weeks before the All-Ireland final in October, the Cork Camogie team was playing in an All-Ireland final as well. And there were five players who were dual players at the time, including Rena. And Eamon Ryan took the Cork ladies football team up to Dublin that weekend he took them to the Camogie final he arranged for after the game that the Cork ladies footballers got a 30 minute kick around on Croke Park they got a tour of the dressing rooms they walked out the tunnel so he was familiarising the footballers with the big stage and he was trying to take the fear out of it and the, the players mentioned afterwards after they won the All-Ireland that that tour of Croke Park and that kick around really did help them because they got to see the stadium and um, 
they got to be in the stadium when Cork beat Tipperary in the Camogie final. So they got to hear the crowd roaring. They got to see the atmosphere. So they got to soak in an All-Ireland final atmosphere and what goes along all the trappings before they played one themselves. So bit by bit, Eamon was, like I said, taking the fear factor out, giving them a little bit of experience. So they went into that final against Galway, not fearing Galway, and having some idea of what an All-Ireland final day was like but like in Mary White's book Relentless and um, there's a lovely passage and it's about Elaine Hart and um, Breed Stack just their experience of running out onto Croke Park the day of the All-Ireland final and Breed Stack was saying that when she ran out she was keeping her head down and didn't want to look up into the crowd but she saw the Galway captain captain looking up into the crowd and waving to someone that she knew and Breed was thinking how the hell is she doing that it's an All-Ireland final but the Galway players had that experience, whereas Cork didn't. But then Cork had a good start, two early points, and that settled them down. Sure. Just when you were looking back on the game in preparation for this, what, what stood out for you? What stood out for me mainly was the fact that Galway were this free-scoring team in the lead-up to the championship. In Kieran's piece, it mentions that they scored 16 goals in the lead-up to the final, and then they barely mustered a chance in the final. What, what are your own memories of the game in terms of Cork's overall performance um, I, th- I think the overall performance the, the, like they played probably worse they, during the year and probably you know may, may have won games like I, I don't think they were firing in all cylinders and probably the occasion got to them I think which Kieran alluded to there at, at the start there's a couple of things though that did stick out um, there was a girl called Nia Fahey who was playing for Galway she was their top scorer She'd also, she was also an Irish under 19 soccer international and had played for Ireland uh, I think two weeks before and early in the second half I'm pretty certain that it's uh, Elaine Hart who is another player that doesn't get talked enough, an awful lot about but was hugely significant and important to that Cork team and Cork have been fortunate in that down through the years they've had very very good goalkeepers they've got one now uh, in Martin obviously from, from Clannacilty Baniscarty and Golder but Elaine Hart made a save from uh, Nia Fahey I think it was early in the second half and the game was still kind of in the melting pot and that save seemed to boost Cork I mean they kicked on after that for a while and then they also brought on uh, a substitute um, Deirdre O'Reilly in the second half and I think she uh, was I think she I could be wrong I think she was fouled for the penalty and Valerie Mulcahy who got 1-5 on the day um, outstanding as always like it's still only 22 which is crazy you know when you think about it put, put away the penalties but like there were some fantastic scores but um what I suppose Elaine saved the penalty from Valerie and also the fact that the tactics Galway tried to change her tactics in the second half and the likes of Breed Stack was freed up a bit she wasn't actually man-man man-marking woman-marking anybody she really came into the game um, and I think that helped Cork and it was just it wasn't a, an outstanding performance by any means they would they would need they would have better performances in the, in the All-Ireland finals that would follow against Armagh a tight game against Mayo against Monaghan a fantastic performance three years later but it was, it was as Kieran said, it was hugely important for those players because it was the first one and the nerves were gone then. They knew what to expect from an All-Ireland final. They'd been superbly prepared by Eamon, as Kieran said there as well. But small things turn All-Ireland finals and a Galway team, as you said, they were well capable of, of, of racking up scores and had done so on that particular day. Where, like, especially Nia Fahey, she would have been their standout forward didn't get the space that they were normally used to and I go back again to that to that league final I didn't see the league final but I read up on it the Mayo game as Kieran's piece this week's points out, points out was a turning point for the players in their mentality they'd beaten a real All-Ireland contender an All-Ireland champion in Mayo but I think 
Cork's backs were definitely up with the shenanigans that went on with change in the venue and the whole thing that went on with that and they, they made a point of wanting to beat Galway in that league final and for all the confidence that they had they didn't play well in the first half against Galway in the all final but those two or three things that I mentioned there going their way and Valerie McCahey playing out of her skin um, probably deservedly saw them win the, win the match out uh, just to pick up on a point that you made there, Ger, about this uh, experience in Croke Park, preparing them then to go on to do what they did. Had you any inkling at the time, or looking back with the benefit of hindsight, did, can you can you say that you that you had any idea of what was coming next? Or I know it's impossible to predict something like that, but had you a sense that this team maybe had something about them? Honestly, no. And I I remember. I remember the excitement of Cork getting to a ladies football final and reading about it and not having followed them for a couple it would take me three or four years to be quite honest for being honest it was three or four years later when they had won I think it was five four or five in a row and they were going well I took a real interest in the team then because a lot of the matches I didn't have access to I was listening to Paddy Palmer again on the match report on the all Ireland final and Munster final reports I took a real interest then because the profile of the players was ra- was being raised year after year and I think having any kind of West Cork interest it was a few years before there was real kind of West Cork interest and, and representation on the panel I honestly didn't take much notice but no absolutely no notion I knew from seeing the highlights of the games and some of the scores that Valerie Mulcahy was getting that this was a special talent and I suppose the other thing that helped the Cork footballers whether they like to admit it or not is the dual players that they had because they were on TV with the Camogie then they were on TV and Tina G I think deserve huge praise here as well because Tina G were broadcasting all these games back in the day when it wasn't necessarily being picked up by RT or anyone else for that matter and that slowly gave an audience but it wasn't and I'm I'm absolutely adamant about this in the, in the times we live in had it not been for social media over the last number of years certainly Cork Ladies Football wouldn't enjoy the profile that it, re- it enjoys now because it's reaching a much bigger audience but no I think when they beat Galway back then I knew very little about them it was only when they won the third or fourth that they started to take a real interest and start to look into writing about the whole idea. But it's only recently, as I said, being honest again, over the last two or three years that I've gotten really stuck into the underage side of it and the professional structures that are there now. But none of that would be there. None of that would be there without those players, without Eamon Ryan, and without that first success that kick-started um, such a, an absolute dynasty. An absolute dynasty is the only way you could describe it. Well, Ger, you said earlier that they basically had a no training facilities at the time Joe they were probably uh, second or third cousin to the senior men's hurling and footballers and you also mentioned that because of this team now there are professional structures in place all the way down to underage for girls right across the county and even in many cases across the country thanks to this Cork team so Kieran, just to start wrapping up today's chat what, what would you say like is the legacy of 2000, the 2005 team obviously they went on to achieve absolute greatness and they're almost unparalleled in their levels of success but just looking back on 2005 if you could put their if you could put their legacy down to, to one or two things what would you say it is that was the first all Ireland win obviously and I think that team sparked um, they won 10 of the next they won 10 out of 11 All-Irelands and what that created was heroes they were heroes dotted all over that team from that that core group of players who were involved in those 10 All-Ireland successes and we've mentioned them all the Valerie Mulcahy's Nolly Cleary Elaine Hart Breed Stack Leo Joe O'Reilly Geraldine O'Flynn um, Angela Walsh and so on Juliet uh, Juliet um, Murphy um, they're legends of the game and what they are like, 
if, if you're a young boy or a young girl, you you look up to someone, you have a hero that you look up to, and all of a sudden, young girls across the county had these heroes to look up for, these heroes who put Cork Ladies football on, on the map, and the current Cork team have kind of taken that on, kind of, you can swap Orla Finn for Valerie Mulcahy, you can swap Martine O'Brien for Elaine Hart, um, Darren and Kira O'Sullivan for, for Nolly Cleary, and, and, and so on, um, Melissa Duggan for, I don't know, Breed Stack, or it's heroes and once you have those heroes and they're real life people and they're and you get to watch them play and they're living in your community and it just it, it just drives it on because success does breed success no matter what sport you're in whether it's football rowing soccer you name it if if you have locals that are successful more people perk up interest and they watch and they listen and they learn more and it just breeds more success so that 2005 win sparked it all and um, Rena Buckley was telling me that they were intent on coming back in 2006 because they wanted to prove that they weren't one-hit wonders. And I think we can say without a doubt they weren't. They topped the charts for 10 out of 11 years, which was incredible. So um, that team did so much for, for ladies' football, not not just in Cork, but think nationally for a bit because, like Joe mentioned, um, ladies' football just wasn't getting wasn't getting the column inches and it wasn't getting the publicity that it, des- that it deserved nationally. But everybody knows about this dominant Cork ladies football team. They know Eamon Ryan was manager. They know of the likes of Valerie and Breed and Oleg and all, all these players. And that's down to that Cork team because they helped raise the profile of ladies football. Other counties were probably sick of the sight of, of, of Cork winning, but they won because they were the best at the time. So that team helped ele- elevate ladies football to an entirely new level and brought it to a whole new audience. And created a whole new wave of young players coming through and ladies football is still reaping the benefits now uh, George you want to come in on that there yeah I, just, I was just going to add like I'm just I got a list of um, in 2005 and sorry I have to correct something I said earlier on Dunamore got to an All-Ireland club final that year but were actually beaten by Ballyboden St. Enders sorry they didn't win apologies to Ballyboden or Ballyboden listeners um, Morn Abbey did win the junior one though so that, that, that was junior All-Ireland title in 2005 the All-Star nominees uh, and uh, Elaine Hart, Rena Buckley, Angela Walsh, Kira Walsh, Breach Corkery, Juliet Murphy, Norita Kelly, Amanda Murphy, Deirdre Royley, Valerie Mulcahy. Angela Walsh, Breach Corkery, Juliet Murphy, Deirdre Royley, and Valerie Mulcahy all won All Stars. Um, the Munster Young Player of the Year was Amanda Murphy. The Vodafone Player of the Year was Valerie Mulcahy. A Texco National Sporting Award went to Valerie Mulcahy. And then you had Munster Senior Club Champions and All Ireland Runners Up in Dunamore, and Munster Junior Club Champions in Mornabi and All Ireland Winners. 2005 was a significant year and I mentioned the under-14s got to an All-Ireland semi-final. The under-16s winning an All-Ireland football final was also significant because the next batch of players that came along over the four or five-year period had experiences of winning All-Irelands and I just think when you see that list you kind of take it for granted now with Cork Ladies football but back then that was for that amount of players to be nominated for that amount of players to win All-Stars and then for all those other accolades to come along it, I suppose looking back at it no Jack you asked me earlier on we should have probably picked up on it a bit more. It was the start of something special. We just didn't know it at the time. Yeah, I, I, I think you, no, no one could say it better there, Ger. We, we absolutely love the passion that we're showing on today's show. But I think we're going to have to wrap up. We're just getting a bit pushed time-wise. So I just wanted to point to Kieran's piece in this week's Southern Star that's available in shops across West Cork now, where he revisits this game and he spoke to members of the panel, including Rena Buckley. As I said, you can get that in shops across West Cork, but obviously, if you can't make it to the shops, 
you can purchase a postal subscription just call 028 212 and we'll get a copy of this week's southern star delivered to your front door or if you want it on your computer tablet or smartphone just log on to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the southern star in its digital format thanks for listening to this week's star sport podcast we'll be back next week on tuesday with I don't know what we'll talk about, Kieran, but we'll talk about something or another. If you enjoy these shows, <laughs> please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to the show. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork.